It's time to go into auto reverse with Tony and Matt, where we look at bands that were underappreciated, misunderstood, forgotten, and to some unknown. This week we're going auto reverse on Bad Brains. Brains, the bad brains. This I've been looking forward to this one. Okay, so why don't, why don't we take a trip on to why we should be investigating the old bad brains? They're literally one of the best American bands of all time, um, and for many, many, many reasons. Uh, let's let's go through them. But so for for me, it's uh, it, it's like they were the quintessential American hardcore band. Um, that sort of like that took it up a notch in terms of like their competence in playing so they could you know because they started out as like a sort of jazz fusion band like a Mahavishnu orchestra John McLaughlin thing that's what they tried to be initially in the 70s when they first formed in DC in, in the late 70s so they took that musical competence and applied it to to punk and hardcore and um, so that in itself is a amazing fact um Mm -hmm. and then and then the records that they made the records that they made that combined the punk and hardcore stuff with the sort of musical competence and then they threw in the reggae stuff which made it even more you know the reggae and dub stuff which made it even more i don't know just gave it this balance and they were also black and they were rastas and so they were doing so they were doing what they were doing in a in a very white environment not just the, the, the bands were white but the fans were white so they they forced people and this is another important fact they forced fans to accept this to and you know what i mean they, it right. was like it was this is a very challenging fact that they were black mm-hmm. you know and so again that's another sort of like visionary uh head of their time kind of thing um then in like i said the records the records were the early stuff was raw but it was good you know like uh coptic times uh pay to come all that stuff was raw and good but then they developed this sense of themselves more through like the sort of second half of rock for light and then into my favorite record of theirs eye against eye yeah, that's actually that's actually my favorite as well. Um, uh, I, and yeah, yeah. And, and you know, one thing I will say, and one thing I will say against what you would say that I don't particularly agree with, there's nothing about Bad Brains that is balanced. They are actually a <laughs> band that throws you off, you're, that makes you expect the unexpected. Um, they don't. I thought one of their things that their best cards that they kept in their back pocket was you didn't know what they what kind of song they were going to play next if you're listening to their first album did you know what, what was the next song going to be was it going to be breakneck speed was it going to be you know was it going to be a reggae tune was it going to be something more rock yeah it could be slow fast hard grooving not grooving funky 
Um, I, I mean, even seeing them live, I would, I was, I got after the second time I saw them live. I think they were Soul Brains at the time. Mm-hmm. I just learned just like to sit back and enjoy it and not expect a song to come on that I would know was going to come on because they could literally. I remember one show they played reggae for like 30 minutes, just straight reggae and slow reggae. And it was just like, well, they're going to break out of this soon, aren't they? You know, we're going to hear something like, you know, um, uh, you know, something a little bit with a little bit more speed to it, you know, um, you know, I, you know, I just thought, I, I thought that was one of the things that I enjoyed about them was that they didn't really, I, I think emotionally they are with their, they play with a lot of ferocity even when they played slow you felt it uh, mm-hmm. you, you felt their music but you know what's the identifiable bad brain song sound I don't know if you can really pinpoint what that is because like again I never thought this band was balanced at all I think they preyed on you that hoping you thought thought that there was something like you were trying to pin down their band it, they weren't like black flag like black flag you know first song last song there was you know, maybe a little bit of a difference of it, but, you know, um, and there was craftsmanship in it, but like in a very black flag, very, you know, you knew what you're, you're going to get. I think Bad Brains was a band uh, that you never knew what they were going to serve you. I really think that the Bad Brains had this sort of overall influence uh, over some of their contemporaries, like we were just talking most about Black them, Flag. Yeah. yeah, most of them. It just, it was because their sound was so adventurous and now... And, now, and like you were saying, like sort of unbalanced, so it wasn't just a lot of hardcore or a lot of reggae, it was everything. I think that, that forced other bands to rethink this sort of like idea of what hardcore hardcore punk or whatever it, it, it is or was. And and I'm going to tell you something else, too. The Bad Brain shows I went to, so I went to, I went to shows like pre... Um, Pre Eye Against Eye, I went to a lot of shows during Eye Against Eye, mm-hmm. and I think I must have seen them like four times um, during that t- during that album. And then I saw, I think one additional show like during the Quickness period in '89. And I'm gonna tell you uh, something about seeing them in New York and the sort of New York hardcore crowd. It was fucking furious and crazy and there were fights and it was just, it was like a bomb exploded everywhere anytime they played mm-hmm. and that like you said ferocity that 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 just nastiness and the energy it just it was i i'm just i'll just say this it, it had the that was the band that had the most impact on my life oh easily. Really? really easily 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 because they had an impact in terms of their music because I bought all their albums. I was obsessed with that picture on and in on uh, Eye Against Eye of of of, of um, HR right. jumping off the stage. It was like the insert on the album. I hung it up on my wall. I was so I had the records and I was obsessed with the music. But then when I went to see them, it like it added this new layer of like the the energy that they that they produced and then. The fact that they could tone it down a little bit with the reggae as a sort of like salve. So it's this nastiness expression, then a salve of this this healing salve of reggae. It was just 
I'd never, I'd never heard a band like that. You know, and and it ne- and I haven't been impacted that way ever, ever since since then, since then. Yeah, you know, you know what the funny thing is, is like, like a little. That's the. Th- I don't think there was anything about them that was a little. Like they, they played, they played fast. They played really fast. They played slow. Yeah. They played really slow. It wasn't. It was, yeah. like, it was yeah. like it was like on the end. They were on the margins on either. It was. They didn't play in the middle at, at all, on anything. And I think, like even when you're, you know, the first time I heard. Uh, Rock for Light, and I think that was, the, if I recall, that was the first, I mean, I think Pay to Come was the first thing I heard, and I don't know if it was my buddy's 7-inch, my buddy Dennis's 7-inch, or seeing him on, um, I think they're on, what was it, After Hours, which is like probably one of my favorite Scorsese films. I love that movie. I know, yeah. it's an underappreciated uh, Scorsese movie. Oh, dude, this movie. is so well done. It's like, uh-huh. you know, uh, but anyhow. Uh-huh. Um, but like here for here, Rock for Light, which I think is the full the first full album I heard from theirs. I mean, I listened. I mean, I don't think I listened to. I'm almost positive I listened to it like three times in a row, because it was just like you're like, what the fuck is this? And you're like, and the songwriting was really good. And the riffs, like Doctor Knows riffs, are like that's what, like I think that was uh, Hollow Camp Punk it, which was. Like, I think that was one of our first covers when we played, and our first show mm-hmm. we played, which actually Jello Biafra was at. But that was like, mm-hmm. I, I was like, challenged myself. I'm like, I'm going to play this on guitar and try to sing this. Because mm-hmm. I was like, because mm-hmm. I was having, not to get into this, but I was like, having, I was self conscious about my singing. I was self conscious about my playing. I'm like, well, let's get you into something that will lock, get you out of that. And mm-hmm. how low can a punk get is like hard to sing, hard to hard to play and hard to sing and play at the same time and i think that there was mm-hmm. like a, there's so much intrigue on their songs uh both in how they're put together his voice mm-hmm. i mean talk to talk about dr no's guitar play talk about hr's voice i mean his voice mm-hmm. can go from like you know really high pitched to a growl to like very melodic and very sweet to like mm-hmm. he's you know he's an inch from your face ready to beat the shit out of you and that I think that's the thing with their whole band. It's like you know, his brother on drums is just a badass, and you know, mm-hmm. Jennifer can. I mean, all those playing, all those, how they play well together. There's not they they laugh when it makes sense, and they go off in different directions when it makes sense. But man, it's just like a very, uh, you, you, they, 
it's not almost like it's like uh, you know a tractor like a traction beam like they pull they pull you in and they don't let you go you're you're d defenseless against uh, them when you listen to them at least like for the first time especially i just felt like i couldn't no matter what everyone else was talking to me about i was just listening to that album just going like what the fuck is this and i remember like yeah two more yeah. Da two days after that i went and got that album and i think i got eye against eye and i got a bunch of other I think I got yeah, and I got a, a forty actually a forty-five of pay to come as well. So mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. like you, it's like I wasn't as obsessed as you, but I mean, I was like, I was like, holy shit, what is this? And I mean, even when God of Love came out, I like I I I didn't even think that was that bad. It was just wasn't up, it wasn't up as just wasn't nowhere near. No. As, he wasn't nowhere near the standard of eye against eye. I mean, quickness is, uh, they were, they seemed like they just weren't into that. Um, Although I still like that album. I still like quickness because there's some interesting, uh, and also like the whole story behind quickness. Like they, they started that album without HR and, uh, and Earl. Right. Uh, they started with Mackie from right. the Cro-Mags and, right. and another singer and we had read about that Chuck in the in fan yeah Chuck Mosley we had read about that in in fanzines and stuff and it was like a bummer right like right. we were like ah that sucks you know it's not the original lineup but hey it's a bad brains record but then all of a sudden they switched it up and brought them back in and i think it was my junior year in college and we went and bought it and it was it had that same impact that like that Voivod uh nothing face had on mm -hmm. on, on us like where we were like is this the best Bad Brains record? No, but it's a really good one, and it kind of for 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 Bad Brains fans and New York hardcore fans in general, we were we were more than happy with what they delivered. Now, this we're talking about that all this that we're talking about, we're not even talking about the internal problems the band had or the problems that HR has had his whole his whole adult life with mental illness, which I'm, I'm assuming he's still having. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing about the band, I guess for me <clears throat> that made them so that I, I was so um, obsessed with them is that there was no barrier between right. the fan and them. It was, it was all there. You know, it was, everything was in front of you uh and it could burn you it could stomp on you it could make you feel something it did all those things and i think for me as a 16 or 17 year old to to see that from a, a new york band i mean they're from dc but they lived in new york right. to see that uh was really just it was inspiring and it made me like i they, it like it sparked my imagination not just about hardcore but about heavy music and or just music in general right like it it challenged your ideas of what music was and you know and that lack of that lack of barrier nothing between you that was something new for me because like you know like if you think about the other stuff that we've listened to like uh, you know uh whether whether it's ACDC or Crosby, Stills and Nash or whatever, mm -hmm. there's a barrier because these are established bands that have been on, you know, that were in other bands that they're, they're part of a different generation. So the fact that they're from a different generation already creates a barrier between right. you and them. You can still appreciate the music and know that they're dope, but 
it didn't have that immediacy that the Bad Brains did. And it was there, and then it was gone. Right. <laughs> it was That was the other amazing part of it. It was not there for a very long time. And then, and then for me, like I went on tour with, with them when they called themselves the soul brains, I guess, cause of legal hassles. Yeah, it was, I went with Chrome yeah. locust and it was for like, I don't remember how long it was like two and a half weeks, three weeks. And it was all of these like secondary and tertiary markets like Spartanburg, South Carolina, fucked up places like that. And it wasn't the same. Like the media was gone. It was more like, they were doing it for the money a bit. I mean, Do, uh, Gary, Dr. No was amazing. He was very kind to us and we had a great time with him. But like Earl and, and HR were very withdrawn and we never saw them. The only times we ever saw them was when they were on stage. So that that's initial spark that I got from the band. And uh, like when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, it was gone by the time I was in my late 20s, early 30s when I went when I went on tour with them. Yeah, I think it was on that tour when he he did a show and he literally he I I don't know I'm I'm trying to recall this he either had his back turned to the crowd for the whole whole show or he uh-huh. or he he just stood motionless the whole show with his arms crossed singing and it's one of those two I can't remember what it is but it was something to where everyone was like well what the fuck's going on with him like stop you know just because he his you know the, the shows that I've seen where he's he connects with the crowd. It it truly raises the bar of something that's already kind of amazing and takes it to extraordinary. Just because the he, that is not so much of a glue, but it's something that's an accelerant to the rest of their their music. It's like it lifts it when he's when he's on and he's jumping around and he's putting his his you know putting putting himself into it hr i'm talking about it really loves the music and you know how much of that is you know pissing and moaning with the band how much of that is mental illness and how much is that stuff just what you know to do was in a bad mood whatever someone didn't bring him his his orange juice before the before he got on stage who in the fuck knows he was just you know it took something away and it took something away from the audience and um you know i i you know the what bad brains is you know I, I feel like when I look when I, I try to li- live as much through their recorded music because live wise I didn't have that New York experience I have had mostly they were in San Francisco I think one was somewhere else but I can't remember but it's like I don't even really remember those shows as that being that fantastic it was just it never raised to what I was the expectation of what I had uh, you know on listening to them um, yeah it was lightning in a bottle man it was like uh, you know, I had heard of them like during Rock for Light, like uh, they, they played them on college radio. Mm-hmm. I heard them and I, I they were giving out tickets for their show at the Showcase Theater or wherever that were somewhere in Jersey. And I called in and I got tickets and I went to see them and it was lighting in a bottle. It was just like, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I, was, and, it, and then that continued for a few more years, and then it was over. And then it got into legal battles and uh, and, yeah. and, and all this other stuff. It's so funny. I, I, I lived upstairs from Mackie, the drummer. Yeah, who was in Chromax as well. So, um, he was kind of involved. He had Because I'd run into him in the hallway, and I would talk to him. He knew I knew about you know stuff that he was doing and uh i think at the time when i saw him um he may have been playing uh, he may have played with them on that other record that they made 
uh, not for Maverick, the one they made for Columbia, Rise. Sorry, quick. He played on other yeah, right. right. Yeah, with the other singer. I think he might have played on that. He might have mentioned it to me um, even at the time when I was, because I was living on in this building that he was below me. But it was, fu right. it was funny. But uh, yeah, but like once all that stuff happened, it's like, of course I paid attention, but I just didn't, you know, that, that, that fierceness that I felt from them was gone because it was just like, it just turned into like business. And I, honestly, I really do think a lot of their problems stemmed from, um, HR's mental illness and a lot of it, a lot of it did, you know? Um, so, you know, what great, one of the best American bands in my book. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, and I, I mean, I remember when I had I had to do a double take when I looked at Rock for Light and saw who produced it. I was like, Rick Ocasek, <laughs> like the Cars, he produced yeah. it. Um, you know, it's it's a band that um, if you if you haven't heard from about them, just the playlist will take care of it. It's something that obviously it, it go it jumps around a lot in terms of type type of music. Um, it's, but uh, you know, it still gets my motor motor going. I mean, even. I mean, even the more, even the more, uh, you know, lovelier song, um, you know, from um, I Against I, what was I was listening to today, you know, um, it was a, she's Secret watching. 77? No. She's no. watching you? She's watching you. She's watching Yeah. And I, I mean, but like that song, that album goes from like House of Suffering and then I Against mm -hmm. I and Ignition, like that first three songs. Oh, well, they have that intro if you count that, but yeah it's like you know even secret 77 like that album is so spot on and i'm like the first five or six songs are just like bulletproof and um anyhow it's it's a band that will take your breath away leave you smiling um and if you haven't heard from them definitely definitely spend a lot of time with the playlist definitely not something more you know get your motor running but it just listen to the listen to the lyrics Behold the greatness of how the songs, how they put them together, how well they put, I mean, dude, they play, like the level of how they play the punk, the hardcore stuff with how well they play the, the, the reggae stuff. I mean, that's not really talked about, even the dub stuff. It's like, it's not really talked about how well they play both those things. And they're not, those two things are not, I would, at least I think they're not tied too closely together. So it's really kind of like, Kind of amazing that they kind of took like well we're gonna do a little bit of this and a little bit of that um and again like they play the rock and the funk stuff too but like the hardcore punk and then the the, the reggae you know it, you would think those things kind of compete against each other but they somehow make it work yeah i remember seeing hr at uh i forget the art school in brooklyn um i totally uh, spacing Pratt? out i saw Pratt? him at Pratt, yeah, I saw HR with his brother and two other guys who were awesome session guys. They played on just strictly uh, reggae set. It was fantastic. It was because he, you know, he had put out a bunch of solo records. HR mm -hmm. did that were reggae records on SST, and they were they were good. I mean, were they the best reggae records I've ever heard? And was that the best reggae concert I was ever at? No, but it was really good. And the fact that he was in Bad Brains, it, it felt good. You know, to support support well, I, that because I thought his band was so good. I, isn't that know? the reason they they, re, they originally left the band is that they they wanted to play just reggae? I think so. That's what I heard. Like pre quickness, that, yeah. Like somewhere between uh, Eye Against Eye and Quickness, like there was this 
Earl, Earl, Earl and, and HR basically were playing in HR's band, and it was just strictly reggae. They did tours and stuff like that. So I think you're right. I think that's what they wanted to do, and then they were talked back into yeah, and that probably coming ex- back. To and, play and you know what? And, and that explain yeah. and that that would explain the half hour reggae set. <laughs> When I was watching them, I was just like, why are they playing so much reggae? And I was like, okay, we'll come back in the band, but we play more reggae. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that, that must have been the push and pull for them. Be- yeah, you know, Besides HR's, HR's troubles, that push and pull of what style to focus on, uh, I'm sure that that played a role in their breakups and getting back together. Um, but like I said, I, there was not a band that took that took hold of me the way they did at ever ever. There was never a band like that right. that ever did that to me. I wasn't around for Black Sabbath. I wasn't around, you know, for the Sonics. I wasn't around for those things. I was <laughs> around for the Bad Brains. You know, that's yeah. what I was around for, and they're one of the best. No doubt, no doubt. I would, I would, I could easily, you know, as many conversations even before this, I could tell that they're kind of on your, 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 your holy trinity of bands like Bad Brains yep. is probably on there. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Well, you know, if you have a band that you that strikes you as strongly as Bad Brains has done, Tony, and want us to take a take a t- t- have a talk about it, feel free to give us, uh, drop us a line, and tell us. I'm, I. Would almost guarantee that we'll we will take you up on it. Uh, you could do that by writing us at uh, auto reverse pod at gmail.com or hit us on Facebook uh, or Instagram and let us know because uh, yeah, like your passions is something you know. I we're, you know I'm always you know let's hear Tony talk about bad brains is you know it's brought me back to my, <laughs> my you know regenerated my enthusiasm toward it and I'm, you know if you have a band like. Like it does that to you, like let us know because I'm always looking for a new band to fucking fall in love with, even though it, probably my wife's not going to be pleased at the vinyl purchases <laughs> I do about it. I, I got, I had, I, I'm still keeping that Uriah Heat purchase keep, away. Keep it a the, secret. Keep yeah. it a secret. Keep Fortune. it a secret. <laughs> All right, man. Until next All time. Right. <laughs> All right, peace.